once you're done praising the Lord, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Then near the end of the sermon, we're going to jump back one chapter and read verse 4 of chapter 2. Philippians 3.10. And we may as well, if we're going to be bowling on Saturday, we'll knock off verse 4 of chapter 2 as well. That'll be our spare. How funny, I'm going to be speaking on sparing not. Uh, and, 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 you know, sharing and sparing sorrows. Funny. God can be like that sometimes. Uh, that'll be our spare. Philippians 3.10, do you have it? Very, very well-known portion of Scripture. Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrections and the fellowship of what? Suffering. But I like what it says here, sharing. Remember? Sharing and sparing. Sharing in His sufferings. Becoming like Him in His death. That I might know Him in the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings. Uh, and even if I might be made conformable even unto His death, the King James says. Even the death of the cross. Then let's read chapter 2, verse 4, and we'll stash that, and we'll, read, we'll need it near the end of the sermon. Each of you should look not, or not only to your own interests, but also in the interests of others. Father, I pray you utilize this half hour, 35 minutes or so, for the furtherance of your gospel. Again, the edification of your body. Make this church, Lord God, into the church you desire it to be. Take us, Lord God. As a, let your word be a vehicle to take us on to greater heights, Lord God. Heights of love and, and heights, Lord God, of... of of compassion and, and Christianity. Make us the individuals you want us to be so we put our gifts together corporately to become an impacting, world-impacting, Lord, church. We bless you and praise you. In Jesus' name, and everybody together said? Amen. Greet one another one more time with the love of the Lord. Then you may be seated. Don't forget, Sunday is United We Can Sunday. I have a United We Can message. It's called From Dan Martin with Love. Tonight, the title of my sermon is, it's a rather youthful title, I would say, because I'm youthful. Come on, honey, say amen. All right, all right, all right I saw her say it. Uh, I read her lips. It's called uh, In the Mix. Got to get in the mix. Huh? Ever heard Keith say that? I taught him. Hallelujah. Uh, Got to get in the mix. And that's what we're going to be talking about here. That's what Paul is saying. I want to know Christ and get in the mix of the power of the resurrection, and get in the mix of his sufferings. I want to jump right in there. I want to get into his handles. I want to get into his psyche. I want to get into his mind. I want to get into his heart, Paul's saying. See, Paul wanted to know, really know, the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. And one translation puts it this way. Okay, it's not, in the Bible it says, I long, I long to share in his sufferings. There's a word we use, uh, excuse me, a word we use called empathy. And it, and it means to really get inside somebody's shoes. Empathy. Not sympathy. Though, though this will be a sympathetic sermon in a sense. I've been studying about it. But it's really a word called empathy. When we really get in there, we get empathetic for an individual. And that's what Paul is saying here. He says, I long, I long. And that word is quite a word. Long. Has a lot of magnitude to it. Paul is taking us right into his very heart. Right into the, to the center of his being. Paul is conveying to us the very passion of his life. You've got to stay with me here in this sermon. Okay, I like this sermon. Let me just tell you right now. I like it. I like it. Uh, but you've got to stay here with me. Don't, you know, we can say something you could miss out. If you're taking notes, write some of this stuff down. So he's, Paul is conveying to us the very passion of his life. If I was taking notes, I would write that one down. He's conveying to us the center of his heart, the very passion of his being, of his life. Paul is telling us 
What is his deepest ambition? What he longs for. That's what he longs for. I long, long deep down inside. And with Paul, as with men like Pastor Sonny and David Wilkerson and Guy Cruz, men like that, when men like this want to share key qualities in their lives, you and I certainly want to stop and, and lean close to them and find out what they have to say. I mean, Pastor Sonny's going to be here for three days. Uh, you're going to be able to hear from him, and, and you're going to see his heart. He's going to share it. And man, you know, it's going to be something else. Because the enemy doesn't like us, trying to knock us off. And the, uh, we've talked about an article that was going to come out of the Times that came out yesterday. The enemy, the enemy always hits hard. Uh, because he's a, he's a fighter, dirty fighter. Uh, remember, the devil's a dirty fighter. And he tried to go for the hit to knock it out. Uh, but you'll be able to hear from Pastor Sonny. Matter of fact, Friday I'm going to be down there. He's going to be speaking at Jack Hayford's church. A big, big, huge event. And he's one of the keynote speakers. So I want to be there on Friday, Friday evening. Okay? But what I really like is when I'm there with Pastor Sonny, and then we go out with the ministers of pastors and go gain a few pounds. Uh, but I like to sit there and, and, and hear them talk. That's, remember I, I was telling you last time I was preaching about one time we were here at the Cuban restaurant in, in, in uh, San Jose, and our Nikki Cruz described Pastor Sonny really, really good. He said, Sonny, Sonny cry like this because he really loves people, but then he's checking you out with big old eye, big old eye with the other eye. Sonny's real, real perceptive, you know, very perceptive. Matter of fact, all the pictures when people have taken of him when he's been in our church, he's looking at the camera. He checks these out. Uh, why do you think he is where he's at? So when Sonny's going to share something, it's best, in other words, let's, let's really listen to it. And that's what Paul is saying here. When Paul, a man like this, wants to convey something that is a key quality of his life, we better lean over and hear what he has to say. Amen? But when we hear Philippians 3.10, what is Paul's innermost desire? We can become a little bit stunned and a bit perplexed. We can get taken back because he longs and he desires to share in the sufferings of Christ. Paul, do you really know what you're asking for? Can you really share, can partake of the cup of Christ? We've talked about the cup. See, this is rather strange and, and rather startling. What a request. Somehow, we begin to wonder if in the book of Acts where, where King Festus says, Paul, much learning has made you mad, bro. You, you, you've blown it. I believe it's in Acts 26, right around there, when, when he comes before King Festus. And Paul begins, I wish you were like me, King Festus. And King Festus is looking at the, Paul, Paul's in chains. He's living in the dungeon. And he's living up in the palace. And he says, you've you blown it, bro. Something's wrong with you, Paul. You want me to be where you're at? Oh, come on. And that's what Paul says. That's when he says, much learning, Paul has made you mad. Something's wrong. So many of us can have the very same attitude when we say, and Paul wants to share in the sufferings of Christ. Come on, Paul. Uh, that's his deepest desire. That's his deepest yearning. It seems outrageous. Very outrageous to us because, you know, most of us certainly wouldn't request something like that. To long to share in Christ's sufferings. Maybe if he'd have asked or maybe if he'd said, I long for a place of honor. I long for a place of fame where people will remember my name. Cheers to you. Ah, oh, long after I'm gone, there'll be, my memory will be intact in their minds. Maybe if you would have said that, we could identify with that. Ah, oh, maybe we could understand that a lot easier. Or maybe if he would have longed to escape pain and agony and trouble, probably then we could understand him. I long to escape pain because I don't like it. Mm, I hate even having a headache. Maybe we could understand that. Ah, uh, then we... See, we ourselves could, could, could have said, okay, I'm all right. 
This is, is very natural. And this is very human, Paul, if you would ask for that. But Paul longs to mix in the sufferings of Christ. Are you with me? Uh, it's, a, it's an odd longing for. If he'd longed to live and do as he pleased and escape hell and yet get to go to heaven, maybe that would be quite a longing. In other words, hey, you know, I can live like the devil Monday through Saturday and I can go to Sunday, muy santito, on, to church on Sunday. Bringing in the sheaves. Oh, praise the Lord, brother. Ah, uh, when is Monday? Ah, uh, all right. Ah, uh, maybe if you would along like that, we could understand that. Because we're, we're in the natural, many of us. We think like that. We'd understand that, if that would have been his request. But that is not what he asked for. He longs to weep as if Jesus wept. He longs to drink of the very same cup of agony that Jesus partook of. He wants to walk up the very same Calvary road and go to the very same Gethsemane and be treated as Jesus was mistreated and if possible, even to die on the cross like Jesus did. What a request! He wants to be treated as Jesus was mistreated. He goes, that's what I want for my life. I saying, hijo, no, hombre. Um, you speak for yourself, Paul. Oh, come on. That, that's the way it seems to come out. Such a very amazing, amazing desire. But why? Is there some secret to it? Is there some hidden reason that most people cannot catch? Well, there is. Number one, first of all, I'm going to give you two reasons why. First of all, excuse me, not yet. No, no, I'm going to give you three reasons why not. See, first of all, we know that he couldn't say this or desire this request because it was natural for him. That's not why he requested it, okay? Because it came natural. By knowing the Paul or the Saul, the Saul of times past, you'd know that this wasn't natural for him. It wasn't natural for him to want to do these things and go through these things. I didn't ask to be in the home. Huh? I mean, it's not natural. Oh, I want to go to the home. Huh? That's not natural. Ah. Uh. So it didn't come natural for him. Uh, see, back then, when Paul was Saul, before he was saved, before he was converted, his longings were to arrest and to try and convict Christians in hopes of having them jailed and eventually killed. That was his longing. That was his desire in the natural. It required a big, very drastic change in Paul's life to get him to say and to desire such a high and very heroic claim to share in the sufferings of Christ. Are you listening to me? Desired some, some big thing, a high heroic change. I didn't have to go to the home, but I'll tell you something. When I went into the home, I had this attitude, sort of like Paul. Said, I don't know that dude, talking about Pastor Sonny, but he's going to have to come in here and kick me out because I ain't leaving. And I'm bigger than him. But something had happened in my life for me to desire, to change my desires, to be in the home. And one day is like a thousand years in the home. So the Bible says. Hallelujah. Ah. So my friend, no. The longing did not come naturally. Secondly, also, Paul didn't want to share in Christ's sufferings because he considered them, you know, minor or minute or easy to bear. In other words, ah, nothing but a meatball. Ah, somebody, you ever heard that term, nothing but a meatball? It was made up by a nut that had 
a girlfriend on the streets, and she knew a lot of Sanchos. Uh-oh, why am I walking over here, ladies? Why am I coming this way? Ah, but then it was, because you get those guys, hey, Holmes, how long you doing? I'm going to do five years, bro. Ain't nothing but me. I'll do it standing on my head. Lies. Lies. That's not natural. And that's the same thing with Paul. He didn't want to share Christ's suffering because it was nothing but a meat bucket. It's easy. No, not at all. See, few men have ever really understood the entire ramifications involved in the sufferings of Christ as Paul did. Listen to what I said right there. It's very important. Few men if, that have ever lived really understood the magnitude of the sufferings of Christ as Paul understood them. He knew what he was asking for. Paul knew the intensity. He knew the magnitude that Jesus took upon himself by coming to our planet. He knew it all, what it all involved. He knew the real pain. He knew the real agony that came with great drops of blood when Jesus was praying there on Gethsemane. Paul knew what he was getting into is what I'm trying to tell you. He knew what he was asking for. He knew the mix. I'm going to get in the mix. He knew it firsthand. Paul himself had suffered greatly during his lifetime uh, as a Christian. But Paul knew that the hardest, deepest pain that Jesus suffered was not in the physical. Listen to me. He understood it wasn't in the physical, what Jesus went through. If such was the case, then many a number of believers had suffered similar consequences. I just came back from the Philippines. Every Easter, what do they do in the Philippines? Many of you know. Some of them, they, you know, they, they vie to, to be crucified. They pay. Others, they want to be the one crucified on the cross. Uh, and they actually put nails on them. A few have died. Uh, and and they'll, they'll, they'll march them down, you know. Cool it, Holmes. You know. Walang uh, man. Means don't mention it. It's all right, bro. Uh, no. See, if that was the case, then a lot of people have died some tragic deaths uh, and, and gone through a number of things themselves. See, Jesus suffered because though he had never sinned, yet he took upon him all the sins of the world. That's what Paul understood. Huh? He suffered because he'd been bruised for our iniquities, not his. He, had, he knew no sin. Yet he became sin, a sin sacrifice for all of us, all of humanity. What a, he didn't have to suffer. He didn't have to die that, that kind of a terrible death. Yet he did. Ah, he took upon him. Ah, he was bruised for our iniquities, not his. That's what brought Jesus to say, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Ah, he'd been forsaken. Then thirdly, nor did Paul desire sufferings of Christ because he was masochistic, just for the sake of pain. Hit me. I can take it. Uh, no. See, Paul took no joy in being stoned, in being whipped, in being shipwrecked. Uh, none of us would, would take joy in that. Neither did Paul. He wasn't fond of imprisonments and going hungry. He didn't, like, he, me, he didn't look forward to being talked about and persecuted. Nobody does. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians, Paul asked the Lord to take away his pain and the thorn in the flesh. Remember that? He says, man, if it be possible, you know, take this thorn in the flesh from me. In other words, he, he didn't look forward to pain. Get rid of it. So Paul took no pleasure in pain itself. Are you with me? Not at all. So why then does Paul long for such a very odd request? 
that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Why did he desire this sort of fellowship? Two reasons. And I'm going to close. Two reasons why. And I've been leading all up to here. Number one. Number one is because he truly and genuinely loved God. If you're taking notes, write that down. He genuinely, truly loved the Lord. He loved God. See, if you've ever loved someone, then you know what I'm talking about. It is love's nature to want to either share or to spare in the sufferings of that loved one. Uh, I mean, if you love your wife, if you love your spouse, you want to you get in there and share with them. If they're hurting, oh, I want to hurt with them. And then you even want to spare their, their hurt. You'll protect them. Uh, I mean, I just married Daryl to protect and to save and to, you know, all, that, all, the, all the things that come with the marriage vows. To protect her and cherish her. You cook the beans good. Man. Uh, I don't know who hit you. I, I was protecting you. You know, nobody could have come by here. Uh, but that's what you want to spare them or you want to share with them. Hallelujah. Uh, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Uh, see, two old movies come to mind when I was putting the sermon together in regards to what I'm saying or what I'm sharing here this evening. There's a movie called, and many of you probably have never seen it. I would dare say probably none of you ever seen it. Oh, somebody. It's a movie I saw many, many years ago. It's called Some Came Running. Wow. They don't have it on video, I don't think. I'd like to see that one. Uh, I saw it. Nobody ever seen it? Huh? Some Came Running. Shirley MacLaine, Dean Martin, and Frank Sinatra. Quite a movie. Quite a movie. Uh, Some Came Running. See, it's real heavy because it regard, it's in regards to simple and yet very deep love. The girl who Shirley MacLaine... She has this simple, she's real naive, real dumb, little, you know, she should have been a blonde, you know, oh, yeah, 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 you know, just, yeah, yeah, you know, one of them kind, you know, them kind, of, you know, I'm not knocking all blondes, you know, you know, ah. but you know, the, the stereotype and all that stuff, but she's like, and the guy's always shining her on, Dean Martin, and you know, and uh, you know, come on, he shines the girl on for the entire movie, ah. Uh, Though she's really gone for the guy. She's like berserk for the guy. Everything, yeah, 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 you know, throwing herself all over him until the end. When there's people that are out to kill Dean Martin, they want to kill him. And they catch him at a carnival. And when they shoot, the girl jumps in front of the bullet. Powerful, it's like, Ooh. Duke of Earl. Shotgun, you know. Ah, oh, Stephanie, don't die, you know. Uh, it's, it's real powerful. And then the guy finds out, man, the girl really, really loved me. Because she wanted to share and spare in his sufferings. She stops the bullet. Second, the second movie, I believe, I was trying to remember the name of it, but I don't know. I think it was called The Wife. Okay? It's about a rich, older man. And he loses his fortune. And it's sad because he's sure that poverty will be the end of his marriage. Especially for her. Uh, see, they got to give up a lot. They have to give up their beautiful house and get a smaller one. Beautiful car and get a smaller one. Uh, and he enters his own Gethsemane. But to his utter amazement, the wife is not at all affected. Matter of fact, she's more happy than she was before. Uh, she's more joyous than before. Why? Because she truly, genuinely loves her husband. Not his money. Not his fame, not his fortune, not his wealth, but him. And in loving him, she enters and she shares into his sufferings. That's what Paul is talking about here. 
There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. There is a husband that sticketh closer than a brother. Uh, there is a wife that sticketh closer than a brother. There is a pastor that sticketh closer than a brother. Uh, even and especially in suffering. That's when you really know. When push comes to a shove, we see what you're made of. Uh, sometimes people say, Pastor Steve doesn't love us. That's a lie. I know I do. I can't beat all your events. I can't do all that stuff. But you know where to find me. Uh, and today, man, they were finding me. I had jet lag and everybody calling, e you know, don't get the phone. Yeah. Is that you? You just me. Uh, then another individual comes to mind, and I wrote this down. Reverend Barfoot, my wife and I know him. What a guy. Uh, there's two Reverend Barfoots, brothers, some of God in Southern California, have big churches. I don't know how they, how they are now or where they are. But he would come preach, Reverend Barfoot. He, he, he pastored West Angeles uh, Church there in West L.A. Uh, what was the name of the church? I no, forgot what it was, but it was a beautiful building. We used to use it at times, even for conferences on West L.A. It was big. And he, would, he was a preacher. So sometimes Sunday, Pastor Sunday would have him come preach at our church. His wife was very beautiful. Uh, but the next time she came, she, 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 they had to walk her in. The next time they, she came and he came, they had to bring her in a wheelchair. Uh, she became very invalid. I believe she had like Lou Gehrig's disease. She had one of those real, real, real bad. She was like a, a vegetable, you know. But Reverend Barfoot would take her everywhere he'd preach and she would sit on the front row. She couldn't even understand some of these things. But there she'd be. Uh, about a year ago, I heard she died. Uh, people would probably say, oh, that spared him. No, no, no. Uh, if you ask him, listen, would you rather have her die or would you rather have her here and share in her suffering? He said, no, 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 I'd rather have her here, even as an invalid. Because that's love. Ah, oh, praise God, she went on to heaven. No, 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 I want her here. Ask him. He'd probably say, I want her here. Because that's real, genuine love. Uh, see, this fellowship and suffering could be called privileged pain. Privileged pain. A sorrow shared equals half a sorrow. Right? A sorrow shared equals half a sorrow. In other words, if you really love your wife, you'll tell her, honey, could I borrow your sorrow? Uh, I'm going to borrow your sorrow, honey. Let me in on it. Uh, let me get in the mix. That is the language of love. He or she that knows love knows what we're talking about. They understand what I'm talking about. But those that don't, can't. i got to read that again. He or she that knows love knows what we are talking about. If you've known love, you know what I'm talking about. But those that don't know love can't know what I'm talking about. You can't. You don't understand it. The true language of love longs to share in the sufferings. And whatever the heartache, whatever the price, it is never a job. It's rather a joy. It's not a job. Uh, I mean, you know, being a minister and a pastor of a church, it's not easy. But it's not really a job for me. If it becomes a job, man, I pray God will get rid of me. It's, not a, it's a joy. Uh, when I get all bent out of shape, the day I can start getting all bent out of shape, oh, they're calling me in the middle of the night. Man! You know how many times I get phone calls as I'm biting into my sandwich? Uh, but I have to say, sandwich, man, sandwich. That's an old surfer term. You wouldn't know about that one. Sandwich, man, sandwich. It's okay. I mean, it was easy. It's okay. I'll go do it. Because ministry should be a joy. A sandwich. Uh, not a job. Oh, man. Don't they know my resume? Uh, secondly, and lastly, Paul wanted to share in the sufferings of Christ because he knew it would involve suffering in order to be Christ-like. That's number two. 
He wanted to share in Christ's suffering because he knew it would take suffering in order to be like Christ. If you're going to write anything down, write this one here. What I'm about to tell you right now. To me, this is profound. Listen to this. You may and you can suffer and yet not be Christ-like. You may and you can suffer and yet not be Christ-like. But nobody can be Christ-like and never suffer. I'll give you a minute. That's, a, that's, that's quite a... That's, to me, that's a profound statement. You can suffer and yet never be Christ-like. A lot of people do. But nobody can be Christ-like and never suffer. Never and no way. Suffering, like I've said many times when I preach on suffering. Suffering is one of my cup of teas. <laughs> cup, uh, 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 when it comes to preaching, suffering is my thing. One of my things. Suffering is par for the course. You ever heard me say that? Suffering is par for the course, Arnold Palmer. Uh, Arnold Palmer could understand that. See, the Bible says God is love. And love being loved, being genuine, being for real, cannot help but get involved. Get in the mix. Are you with me? Don't let me lose you right now. Stay with me. I'm running the corner here. If love is genuine, if love is for real, it can't help but get involved. It can't help but get in there. Uh, many times, you know, my kids, when they're driving with me, my wife and all that, I'm driving, and if I see a fight or something, they know, step on it, Dad, step on it. Step on it. Go, Dad. It's not happening, Dad. Uh, now, the reason I will keep going is because I love them. But by and large, too, I love people. And I think, what if it was my daughters? What if it was my, and so sometimes I just, I just have a tendency to, What's happening, man? Come on, hey, what's wrong with you, Mac? Hey, you know, because love, if it's real love, gets in the mix. It gets involved. It gets down and dirty if it has to. If it has to. Uh, I mean, my daughter was talking about it the other day. She, she, she was a little touched, but you really don't understand what happened. when. But she was there, both my daughters. When I was in the men's home, some guy was walking along the home, and he was trying to kidnap, mess with my daughters. Remember that? He saw them in the car, and he was, he was messed up. Uh, and then he, so I said, hey, man, what's wrong with you? What do you know? Because living in the home is not easy sometimes. We lived there for three and a half years. And then so the guy pulls out a knife. Uh, and I said, hey, you know, uh-uh. My dad, come on, guy, you know. And he swung at me. He tried to stick me. <laughs> I hadn't had my beans that day. Uh, <laughs> he missed. And Stephanie and Val, they're like crying, no, no. And I said, hey, you, you know, get out of here. Don't, you know. I forgot exactly what happened. She, they were like, take it. Uh, but that's what love will do. It'll get in the mix. Uh, it, it's willing to share in the sufferings for others who are hurting, for others who are suffering. Love cannot see the turmoil. Love cannot see the grief, you know, in, in a lost and hurting world and just sit idly by and do nothing. Are you with me? Love is not selfish. Love thinks of others. Love cannot sit idly by and see the world going to hell. Why do you think we're going to Manila? Why do you think we're going to Jakarta? Why do you think we're going into Hayward? Why do you think we're going all over the world? Because it's love. The love of God compels us. We cannot be selfish. I mean, even now, we're trying to get a building, but we're still sticking money in, in the foreign fields. We're still doing all this other stuff. Madness. No. Love. That's what it is. In our afflictions, the Bible says, he is afflicted. Hebrew says, he is not a high priest who cannot be touched by reason of our infirmities. In other words, when you hurt, he hurts. Because that's 
the way love goes. That's the way love is. Uh, love goes all out. That's the reason why God sent his son to the world. And that's the reason why the son was willing to come. For God so loved the world. Yes, dad, I'll go. Because of love, God had to do something to heal and to remedy our need. Our need for salvation. They had a plan in God's word to be able to heal us and touch us and save us. Um, Paul puts it this way in the book of Galatians. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Love gives. You want to see if you're really loving? You'll be involved in giving. Ah. See, real love gets involved. It spares not. So what Paul was saying when he said that I might know him in the fellowship of his sufferings, Paul wanted and he longed to see God and, and see people through God's eyes. Ah. He loved to look at God's heart and the, to look at the hurt as God's heart looked at it. He wanted to hurt for and do all he could for all of the hurting people. Are you with me? He was looking at the world through God's heart, through God's eyes. Now look at Philippians 2, 4, and we're going to close. And we've read it already. I'm so close to closing, I can taste it. We read it already. Philippians 2, 4. Each of you should look, look with God's eyes. Not only to his own interests, but also in the interests of others. Now, some of you that were involved in ministry, those of you that are ministers, those of you that are leaders, I have taught you on a thing called the genius of the end. Remember that? The ministers especially, you guys know about the genius of the end. The rest of you won't know what I'm talking about here yet. But it comes from a book called Built to Last, a secular book. A Stanford graduate guy. And it's called the genius of the end. Okay, and that's what this verse is talking about. This is the genius of the end. Epitomized. It's talking about each individual should look not only in his interest. It doesn't say, don't look at your interests. Huh? If that was the case, I wouldn't be wearing new shoes today. Because I'm looking out for my interest a little bit. You know, somebody bought them for me. Hallelujah. During my birthday, every, every December, somebody looks out for my interest. Uh, doesn't say not to, be, not to look out for your own interest. No, God's in the blessing business. God's in the prosperity. Not in the luxury, but prosperity. He wants you to prosper. Even as your soul prospers. That's another sermon. Okay. Uh, but. He says, and the interest of others, both. That's the genius of the end. Look out for your own interest, yes, but also and the interest of others. Not just yourself. Um, where we can look out for ourselves, but not just ourselves, but for other people as also. In other words, the best of both worlds. That's the genius of the end. Take care of yourself, yes, but also and especially of others as well. See, if we look out for the things pertaining only to ourselves, then, listen to this. To me, I think this is deep then we have a reward. You ever read that where, Paul, where Jesus says they have their reward? In other words, the Pharisees coming out and acting all bad and you know, ringing their bells and their pomegranates that they had over there in their robes and, you know, and their big prayers that they said out in public. Jesus said they have their reward. You know what he meant by that? In other words, what they got, the applause of man and the accolades that they got here on earth, that's their reward. But they ain't getting nothing. They ain't got nothing coming, God says, when they get up here to heaven, if they come. They ain't got nothing coming because they already had the reward. Hey, look at me. Hey, look me over. Lend me an ear. Ah, then you got your reward. So if you want to be selfish, then you have your reward here on earth. See, all we will know and all we will accomplish is only the things that we can do and only the things that we ourselves can understand. But when we bring others into the picture, 
our scope of life and accomplishments and abilities broadens. It, it increases. Now, some of you singles are going to really like this, but listen to this. Being single, by and large, you can be, uh, how, how was that word? A very independent. You can go here, you can go there, hither and thither. You can invite thither and hither and hither and, you know, to the, to the prom or to the whatever, you know, and all that stuff. But once you get married, that's what my wife said. Take it, do it now. Take advantage of it now. Huh? Because selfishness has to die. I'm not saying you have to be selfish as a single, but you have more, more freedom in a sense, more, more choice and all that stuff. But once you got I have a thing called orders from headquarters. Honey. It's called honey. <laughs> honey. Uh, that's what I told Daryl when I married. I said, brother, you got to literally have orders from headquarters now. Honey. Honey, what do you think? Honey. Is it okay? Honey. Uh, macho, macho, honey. You know. You think honey. <laughs> uh, but in bringing her into my mix, my life broadens. Things get, there's more insight uh, in our lives to become one. But you never listen, there's two. See, this verse in Philippians 2.4 is a verse against the prison of self-centeredness. Oh, what a statement. It's a verse against the prison of self-centeredness. Paul here is saying that when we're helping others, when we're out including other people in our lives, we get other people's point of view, other people's perspectives. And our own life is enriched. Are you with me? Our own life becomes enriched. I'm, I'm a better man uh, because of my wife. I'm a much better man because of my wife. I'm a much better man because I have got to know you. Some of you I don't know. Get to know me, especially if you're coming to church. I'll try and help you, but hey, my life will be enriched. Uh, out of many, many rivers becomes an ocean. Uh, and as I get to know you, man, I get to know more stuff about you. So my life gets enriched. Why do you think Pastor Sonny is such an enriched man? He knows all kinds of people all over the world. That's why I mean, getting to know, you've been able to see three of the pastors of the four pastors in Jakarta, Indonesia, Speed Plaza, and your life has become enriched by listening to those men. But it would have never happened if we wouldn't have been able to touch the, the, the halfway around the world in Jakarta, Indonesia. But it pays off. We need to understand that. See, our own life becomes fuller and more, more interesting. Uh, Paul is saying, that when we just selfishly look into the things of ourselves, oh God, this is, this is good. When we just concentrate on ourselves, our life is a microscope. But when we look also, and the genius of the and, to the life of others, our life becomes a telescope. Who? If you're just looking at your own interests, your life is a microscope. But when you're looking at the interests of others, it becomes a telescope. Ah. I think they call it a telescope because it has more to tell. Uh, really? I got, I got so much to tell. So get in the mix. Even if you were a genius, even if you were a genius, that still would be too selfish. Because the Bible says in a multitude of counselors there's what? Wisdom. Get to know others. Give your life to others. Include others. Thus in giving you get. The same principle that I used before regarding remember the, the, the man that was dead, dying in, in the blizzard? Remember that, that illustration that I used before? Uh, when they come upon that one guy who's dying, and two of them come in and they, they say, no, 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 we, 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 we can't do that. 
Come on, let's go because the guy was dying there. He's dying. Let him go. It was a, it was a snow blizzard. And he said, one guy said, come on, if, if, we, if we try to help him, we're both going to die. All three of us will end up dead. Let's go. And he said, nope. His heart told him, no. You got love here. Got much love. So the other guy said, well, I'll see you. I don't know how you're going to help him. Both of you guys are going to die. But as for me, selfish me, I'm, I'm gone. Like a tricky through a cornfield. You take care of yourself. Hey, fine, fine and dandy. Uh, and what happened? I'll show you what happened. Come here, little. Like. You understand what I'm trying to say? In giving you get. Let every man look into him, the lives of interests of others, not just himself. You become a better man. Become a better person. Become a better church. Let us never stop in putting others and esteeming others just as much as ourselves. That's why Victor Albert Chambers is in the place that it is today. I mean, March 3rd, 4th, and 5th, you're going to see. I mean, Sunday you're going to get to see Dan's wife. Ah, Pretty soon, Daryl's wife will be able to come. Uh, in giving, you get. See, you've got to be willing to get in the mix. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Victory Albert Chaywood is bigger and stronger today because we've gave around the world. And that's the reason uh, we can receive from around the world. Because in giving, you get from around the world. If you can only see... We had 52 men in a men's retreat last Friday and Saturday. Heavy, 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 heavy. And it was at a retreat center there in a real resort area called Caviti. And there was a retreat center. There was girls there, ladies there. And the men were singing up a storm. You should have seen this. And some of the young girls came and just stood there waiting to get picked up by these 52 men. These guys just kept praising God and praising the Lord and praising the Lord and praising the Lord and witnessing to people. People were getting saved. Because in giving you get. These guys love God. Things are happening there in Manila. As every head is about and every right Spirit of God moving to ministry that I might know Him the fellowship of his sufferings. Love is willing to share and despair. 
I sense in my spirit right now, the spirit of God moving and ministering, tugging at some of your hearts. And you know who you are to get in the mix. Borrow a sorrow. You'll be a better man. You'll be a better woman. Be broader. You'll be enriched. If that's you here tonight and God has been ministering to your life, I want to ask you very quickly from all those places, just simply sit by your seat and come and bend the knee here to Jesus at this altar. The altar is open. The altar is open. You need to love and love on purpose like never before. The love of God is in this house tonight. I'll tell you that. Is every head bowed and every head closed? Spirit of God, moving in ministry.